I'm Amir Khan and you're listening to the Z Medium podcast, a podcast that shares an honest account of the journeys of people from different walks of life. We talk to people and about them too. Think of us as the moving walkway at an airport. We take you where you need to be in life, only faster. Russia invaded Ukraine on the 24th of February in what appeared to be a full-scale attack from land, air and sea. Tens of thousands of people have been killed in less than 6 months and the issue is nowhere near resolved. Kharkiv, a city that is on the border of Russia and Ukraine, was affected the most. This is the story of an international student who managed to escape from Kharkiv in what appeared to be a near death experience This is slightly different from the kind of episodes we usually publish but it is a story that needs to be out there that is for sure When the war between Russia and Ukraine broke out like the rest of the world I had a moment only a moment of empathy before returning to business as usual I am guilty of it I kept reading about it browsing through social media but i never could have experienced the amount of trauma the people in ukraine faced while all of this was going on it is only when you hear stories from people who went through it that's that's actually when things change for you a bit i had heard about mohammad basil or basil as he likes to be called from a mutual connection sometime around the end of february i never imagined that name would ever pop up again or that i would have anything to do with the person up until a few weeks back we met on aid here in uae and as we all got introduced to each other basil and me struck a conversation he began to narrate his time in kharkiv the situations international students had to go through and the brutality of the russian army and the ukrainian police 10 minutes in i knew this story had to be told Nothing. This <laughs> is where it started. Out of the picture, I finished the British curriculum back in high school, the IGCSEs. Um, back then, you pick your subjects based on your future major. So, uh, as it was always my dream of being a doctor, I picked the science subjects: so biology, chemistry, physics. I aced them. Hmm. I really focused on them, as they say. Reaching the final uh, year of my high school, my twelfth grade, it was the time to pick my major, right? So I was always stuck with medicine. So now the only question was where would I continue studying medicine? Uh, did a little bit of research. I found Poland as the perfect uh, country. Well, definitely me being in Dubai and having my family here in the United Arab Emirates, I always hoped to continue my education over here. But unfortunately, as you know, the prices of the tuition fees are too high. So I couldn't um, handle, let's say, the financial pressure. So I had to look to a cheaper option outside. Europe as we know 5 years back Europe was at its tip I applied to Poland the precisely in Warsaw and I got accepted in uh, Warsaw Medical University mm-hmm. which is one of the best uh, medical universities top 400 I got the acceptance and everything the next step was applying to my visa well here comes the issue I have a Syrian passport I am Syrian so going to the uh, immigration center 
and applying to my visa to get the Schengen visa. Unfortunately, I got rejected twice. The reason of rejection was due to nationality, so they didn't feel safe giving visas to Syrians at the time, as you know, with whatever going on with Syria and the sanctions that are put on Syria. The long-standing Syrian conflict, which began during the Arab Spring of 2011, started as a peaceful uprising against the country's president, Bashar al-Assad, but later turned into a revolution that decimated the nation and its citizens for more than a decade now. Syrians around the world are still affected by what happened, while many fled to Turkey, Germany, Canada, wherever they could find refuge. The Syrian population remains flagged by many countries even today. This has led to missed opportunities, targeted racism, prejudice formed amongst many other nationalities towards the Syrians, the effects of which trickle down to people like Basil and his family with no fault of their own. Um, It was already too late to apply to any other country. I had to take a gap year. I'm a guy who never sits, so I couldn't just sit down and wait another year. So my gap year, I was able to find a job in a jewelry shop. So I was a normal sales guy working nine to five, six days a week, Fridays as my off day. So I thought of it as an opportunity to save up some money going up into my next stage. I wasn't born with a rich family. We were just moderately living, um, happily living, alhamdulillah, of course. And as you know, Amr, um, us as in, in living in an Arabic culture, mm-hmm. especially men, we are taught to be able to handle everything coming on us from a very young age. So I was also born with that mentality and I kept going on with that mentality. So I worked in my gap year, saved up some money. Then I waited till the next year of 2018 in mm-hmm. June. So I thought Europe is out of the picture. Maybe I'll apply to a country that's not in Europe yet with a very good reputation. Turkey came into mind. I applied to Turkey to Ankara University in specific. And I did get accepted in their medical program, which is very difficult to get in. Yet, we came back to the same issue over here. I had to apply to the visa. Mm. Normally, the relationship with Turkey and Syria was normal. But when when I went to to apply for my visa at that specific month, and I remember it was 20th of June 2018, the political relationships between Syria and Turkey went cut off. Therefore... They weren't accepting any more uh, visa applicants. And I got refused again with something that I had no hand of. So yeah. I did my part. I studied. I worked hard. I applied for the, I applied for the university. I got accepted, yet I got rejected uh, for the visa again. Sitting back there, going back home, thinking the old doors are closed. You fall into this depression. You try to fight it, but at the same time, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you just sit on your bed, you lay down. And you just think that, what am I going to do now? As I said, you have the pressure going on. You look at your family. You need to be able to provide soon on in the future. I think of a country. I start thinking, what country could I go to that doesn't require visa or gives visas to Syria? So instead of me focusing on my university, university as a, yeah. I started looking at a country that accepts Syrians. Exactly, yeah. man, that accepts Syrians. And it was a shame. It's so disappointing. I couldn't even imagine it. I went on looking, I found two countries, Georgia and Ukraine. Um, a bit of research over there. I found out that Ukraine gives a better opportunity for the future. Therefore, I said Ukraine it is. I went on, I applied, I got accepted. I went to do my visa. In three days, man, I got my visas. I was like, this is God's uh, message. 
that Ukraine is the right place for me. 2018, October 1st, I booked my plane ticket and I went to Ukraine, not knowing anyone over there. I didn't have any cousin, any relative, any friend, but I was like, this is a fresh start. I am going there for a reason. I'm going there for a goal. I went there, we started our education. I'll be very honest, the education system back in Ukraine isn't the best. But at the same time, it all comes up to you, especially in medicine. And I know a lot of medical students would get me that uh, personal effort Mm -hmm. is what matters most. We we went on with the three years. I was studying. I, I made up some friends. The culture was nice. I learned the Russian language over there. So I was able to communicate with the people with no issues. At the same time, as I said, I was doing also part-time jobs in Ukraine. Now, the salaries aren't very high in Ukraine, to be honest. I was working, let's say, 25 days a month for $300 to $400. But, you know, you need to get something to be able to eat and... Uh, to manage yourself. To manage yourself. Were you taking money from your parents? I was only taking the tuition fees back then. Okay. That's all I was asking for. I couldn't ask for more. Um, I have four other siblings. Um, I'm sure you would understand being the eldest in your... Uh, brothers and sisters, that you have this urge to be able to tell your family that, okay, take care of my siblings, I'll take care of myself for now, until I will be able to provide for the family. Yeah. So when you went to Ukraine, how was the situation over here, the family situation? Because the first time a family member is going, a son is going, a brother is going out, how did they take it? Did they handle it well? I don't really think so. As you know, I was the eldest. I was primarily taking care of everything. Mm. You know, there are a lot of things to do. Paying the bills, getting the groceries, being the eldest. You do that unconditionally, you know. So me leaving did leave an impact, especially with my mother. Mm. As you know, mothers are very attached to their eldest son. But yet, they believed in me. They mm. believed I was going there for a purpose. Yeah. I had to go and get them back the medical certificate, no matter what. I went up with that motive. And with that goal. So yeah, we went there. And the years started passing by. The situation was always normal in Ukraine. Yet, people were always talking. You know those little chit-chats? Russia is, Russia is there. Russia wants Ukraine. As an international student, I, re- I never really cared. Because this is a back... Oh, 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 exactly. Of course, this is in my country. I'm going there to get my diploma. Go back home. And that's what I believe. Mm. Unfortunately, reaching my fourth year. February 15, 2022. The talk started increasing. People are talking about it more. Two days later, the Russian government comes out and says there will be a political move on Ukraine very soon. With no reasons explained. I, um, me and my friends, we went to the university. We told them this is happening. So could you please give us our transcripts? We want to go back home. Uh, we don't feel safe anymore. And definitely as a student, your first priority is feeling safe in order to be able to study, in order to be able to attend classes in general. We stopped attending any classes, by the way. Yet the university's response was very strict and direct. You decide to leave, you can get expelled. I'll speak of myself first that when I heard the word expel, I got scared because I've been through a lot already. I'm risking a lot. And I'm already in my fourth year. I only have two years left to go. I couldn't risk getting expelled. Mm. And where was this university in Ukraine? It's uh, in Kharkiv, 
It's Kharkiv is literally at the borders of Russia. Mm. This gave it a plus point of fear because we were directly, as they say, on the enemy lines. So we knew if anything was going to happen, it was going to happen to our city first. That's why we kept pressuring the university, but we always got the same response that you decide to leave, you're free to go, but you're going to get expelled. So we, thinking of it, we just thought, okay, maybe nothing's going to happen. Three days later, President Zelensky, president of Ukraine, posted a video on his Instagram. He was wearing a suit, it was very official, and he says, people of Ukraine, the war is coming in three days. He even gave us a timeline. Be prepared. We literally sent the same video to our university authorities, but their response was the same. You leave, you get expelled. We didn't care anymore, we booked our tickets. Excuse me. We booked our tickets. Unfortunately, they weren't tickets in the same day or the next day, so we had to book. Three days later, when we booked the tickets, we felt a bit safe. We were like, okay, we're leaving. We start packing, and I went to sleep, thinking that the next day, I'm going to go to the airport, and everything was going to be fine. Thursday morning comes, and I'm sleeping, 4 a.m. I wake up to the first bank. Now, when you're sleeping and you wake up, you need some time to process. I woke up to the first bank, so I was like, oh, maybe it's one of the neighbors or something. So I go back to sleep. And as soon as I close my eyes, I hear the second bank, which is even stronger than the first one. I rush to the window and I look over there and I see those rockets coming in. It's like fireworks, you know. And I just sit there looking like, what is this? I've never experienced something like this before. My brother who was with me, I wake him up. He wakes up scared. He's like, what's going on? And I tell him. So your brother also came? Yes, he followed me two years later. Okay. Because he also faced the same issue. Still, the sanctions were still in Syria. So I advised him to come with me. I thought two brothers living together would be even uh, easier. To yeah. Go. I woke him up. I'm like, Jad, his name is Jad. I'm like, Jad, Jad, the war happened. He's like, no, come on. I'm like, Jad, just look at the windows. He wakes up, he looks from the windows. And he goes silent. And then he looks at me and he's like, what are we going to do now? And you could see the... We could see them. Everything. Everything. Remember when I mentioned we were directly on the borders? Yeah. They weren't hitting the city center yet, but they were at the, like the borders. They're hitting the borders, the army borders. So I was like, let me check up uh, the media. As you know, everything is posted on social, social media nowadays. So I thought, okay, let me go on social media. And I see all of those videos of the rockets and the people running away. I decide to calm down for a bit, see what people are doing before doing something Russian, maybe regretting it later. As I said, it's the first mm-hmm. time me experiencing such a yeah. situation. I don't think anyone's actually prepared. I look from the windows, every Ukrainian hops on their car with their family and they're escaping. Because with time, we started hearing them getting closer. It's like someone walking to you mm. with their footsteps. It's the same description. We're hearing the rockets getting closer to you. Again, we're students. We don't have cars. Even if we decided to go away, our only way would be transport. So I checked the transports. First thing I check on is, is the flight still on. It's only 20 hours away, my flight. And how far is the airport from... I had to go to a different city, which is six hours away. Six hours away. And I was traveling from Kiev, which is the capital. 
Russia targeted the capital, all the, tar- uh, the capital's airports first. They didn't want anyone escaping the country. So I called the airline office. It was through Pegasus, the Turkish office. And they tell me all airlines are off. There will be no flights due to the war. And you're still at the apartment? Yes, I'm still at the apartment here. I didn't want to move. Uh, so I told them I woke up at 4. It's around 6 a.m. now, two hours later. I talked to my friends. Everyone's freaking out. You couldn't get a single idea from any of them. All they cared about is just, what are we going to do? The, the Ukrainian authority asked us to go into shelters. Knowing Ukraine and knowing Kharkiv, we had no shelters back in Kharkiv. No official war shelters at all. Mm-hmm. Even though Ukraine is a part of the Soviet Union, even though they know there is this political pressure from Russia, they never cared. They never created any shelters. Anyways, they asked us to go into metros, underground metros. I didn't really believe going there would be a smart idea because the only thing protecting this metro is a layer of street, a layer of concrete, which could go down easily with any small rocket. So I just took a look and I found this many people crammed up over each other in the metro, crying, screaming, pushing, the men giving space to their families, beating, fighting. It was... How far was the metro from where you lived? It was three minutes of walk. Fortunately, I was very close to the metro. Okay. So I was like, Jab, I told my brother, let's just pack a, pack a small bag in case we need to move. I tried to get money anyway, so I ran to the ATMs. The ATMs were empty. The Ukrainian people already took everything in the ATMs. The next idea that came to me was food. Is that maybe we're going to be stuck. I ran to the supermarkets. The shelves were empty. Armor. I even have videos of it. Have you ever watched The Walking Dead? Yeah. Any other zombie apocalypse movie, when you go into the supermarket and everything's empty, it was literally the same. And you know, all you could imagine is, could I at least get some crackers, some biscuits? I couldn't get anything. Fortunately, I was able to get some water. So I got the water and went back home. Uh, we had one friend over there. So I thought the more people together would be safer. We could help each other. So I went and called him. So now we were three together. I called, I started calling people, asking them, where are you going? So some said, okay, we just went up to the north, but they had cars. Mm. I start calling people who might be able to take us there, but no one agreed. Two, three people were offering to, to take you to the borders, but they were asking 5000 to $6,000. We had no money at the time. You couldn't reach to anywhere. Banks were closed, ATMs were emptied. Anyways, we spent the first night at home. The rockets were still coming. The fam- your family is calling. They're scared. You don't have answers. People are asking questions. You don't, you don't have the answers for because you personally don't know. Mm. All I thought about was, what's next? You watch movies. You watch series. You think it's going to be as simple as watching a movie, but it's not. Everything is cut off. You have no mode of transportation. I have a brother over there. I have my other friend. He's also the age of Jab. So I was the responsible one. I was the eldest. So again, I came back into this mode of responsibility that, okay, I need to find a solution that works not only for myself, but also for my brother and my friend. We, I tried to sleep. I remember the first night. I couldn't get one minute of sleep because of the sound of the rockets. They would go away for 10 minutes, but they would only come back harder, stronger, and even closer. 
We woke up the next day, the news were the same, and then I started watching the videos of the news where people were actually dying of the rockets. First of all, he was only targeting military places, but then he went through, he started throwing them everywhere. Buildings, schools were being attacked. Every Ukrainian was already out of town. So I started asking, okay, what borders are they going to? People started saying the Polish borders. The thing is, to reach the borders of Poland, I had to take a 36-hour trip through everything, through the rockets, through the bombing, through the pressure. Next day, President Zelensky says martial law is activated. Now, I don't know if you know much about martial law, but when martial law is on, it states that any citizen of Ukraine is able to carry on a weapon. So ordinary people, people filled with racism, people filled with hate towards Muslims and Arabs, and I was both of them, had weapons now. So you could actually see people in the streets walking with guns. So it became even, even not safe to go down. We had to lock the doors and just stay there looking from the windows. Yet we had to leave, food was running out. All we had left is a pack, and I remember it, a pack of cornflakes and some bread. And we had to divide it between the three of us. Three days later, I decided it's time to go. Uh, I talked to some of my friends and I convinced them that it's better to go as a group. We reached that to a number of 20 people. So we decided, we're 20, mm. we're gonna meet up, we're gonna go together, help each other out. Anyone comes, we're gonna be able to push them away. We're gonna reach the train station no matter what. Now the train station was one hour away by foot, 20 minutes by car. Where could you find a taxi that could take you? Yeah. Everyone ran away already and they were scared to drive. So we decided that Sunday morning, 8 a.m., we're gonna be moving to the train station no matter what. Walking. Walking. That was the plan. 20 people walking towards the train station. Yes. Plan was to walk between buildings, uh, stay safe, stay low until we reach there. And then from there, we'll think of what comes next. I didn't think two steps ahead. It was always one step, one step. I couldn't. Mm. And all of these were international students? Yes. All of them. From where? We had different nationalities. We had Indian students. We had uh, Jordanians, Palestinians, Moroccans, Tunisians, all over. Mm-hmm. I remember my Indian students, unfortunately, their embassy asked all Indian students to stay underground not make a move, okay. which would result in very uh, bad outcomes. And I will tell them to you in a bit. I, I didn't, I couldn't wait. Me seeing Ukrainians holding weapons, I knew they were going to be used against us. And this was in the future. Back in 2014, martial law was also on. Ukrainians held weapons. A lot of international students died that year. And it's never talking about or spoken of in the media, by the way. So Sunday morning came. I was talking to my Indian friend, he's underground. He was underground since day one. So he's telling me, he's crying, telling him his name is Ashutosh. He's from Delhi. I'm telling him, Ashutosh, what's going on? He's telling me, one of our friends died. And I go, how did he die? Wasn't he underground? He said, yes. Russia gave us two hours per day where they promised no bombings will be so that we could go out and search for food. Mm. It was from 12 to 2 p.m. approximately. So our friend, Ashutosh's friend, went out at 1 p.m. Yet, he was killed at 1 p.m. He was going to a supermarket. He was able to find some food. And he was just running back to the metro, where a sniper 
was able to shoot him right in the head. Now the question came in as, why would a sniper shoot a normal guy, a citizen? Mm. Because Russia was only throwing bombs at first. That's when everyone thought, okay, it's maybe a Ukrainian citizen. I couldn't wait for something like this to happen to me or my brother. 6 a.m. came, we pack our packs, everything is ready. I open the window, man, and I see the Russian tanks in the streets. They entered our city. We will continue with Basil's story in the next episode. Share this with as many people as you can. We urge everyone listening to spread the word. It is a story that needs to be out there, one way or another. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Share, and don't forget to tag us. For more updates, you can follow Z Medium on all the three platforms we just mentioned. We put episodes every Monday and Thursday, and we'll be back on Monday for part two of Basil's story. Stay tuned and goodbye for now.